0: When someone preaches regularly, you come to learn the spiritual discipline and the spiritual experience of the night before the sermon. The night before the sermon, when all the preparation is done, when everything is in place, uh, you sit usually in one of two places. The first place you can sit is in this profound excitement, this burden that you feel like God has given you for the message the next day, and you almost can't wait for worship to begin. And those are the best nights before the sermon. Some nights, there's a second kind of experience. That experience is where it all is in place, and yet it never really feels done. Something's not quite right, and you keep tinkering with it and praying through it. And and even when you come in and preach, and when we do this through our four services, when we meet here at Covenant, the sermon can keep moving from the 815 service to the 1105 service, and you're constantly wrestling with it and what God wants to do. Those are the typical two experiences on the night before a sermon, but Every once in a while, there's a third. The third is when everything is prepared and everything is done, and you look at it and think, this is wrong. I don't know where it went wrong. I don't know if it went wrong in the preparation. I don't know if things are happening in the world and around us that are changing this. I don't know if something new is stirring up in my heart, but this doesn't just need tweaking. There's something not right. And last night was that third experience for me. I love the sermon that was prepared. We had quotes, we had images that were going to come up on the screen, we had a painting, we had a story, we had illustration, it made sense. We were going to talk about what it means for us in our kind of prefabricated world to be open to the unexpected call of God, how Joseph goes in this this incredibly uncertain but new direction, he follows God's call. And I couldn't figure out last night what was wrong. I, I, I liked every single piece of it. I, I, I liked how it had come together. And yet there was this profound sense that it wasn't what's supposed to happen. And there's a pressure that comes in that because you know you've got, to, you've got to preach a sermon. You can't just stand up and go, I don't got anything. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then sit down. You've got other people that have planned elements of the service around it. You feel the pressure of that. So I went on a long walk last night, late at night around my neighborhood, and it wasn't a a sermon prep walk. It was a prayer walk. It was, Lord, what is going on? What is it that I'm supposed to hear? What are you trying to say? How is this supposed to work? And something hit me last night. It was a moment of like a light shining about this scripture passage that I feel compelled to trust right now. Something unique in this passage that John read that I hadn't paid attention to before because I was paying attention to the miracle of Joseph being able to follow the call of God in this unexpected direction, this idea that sometimes our callings, as they do, take us into a journey through the dark. But as I sat there last night, what occurred to me is that the miracle with Joseph isn't just that he follows a call into the dark, into the uncertainty. But the miracle maybe starts a half step before. The miracle is that despite the fact that almost everything in Joseph's life that he had planned had fallen apart, he still had the faith to be able to listen. That he hadn't given in to the darkness that he was already in, that he hadn't given in to the cynicism, that he hadn't given in to the profound doubt of if God's so good, how could this be happening? His world that he had planned had been stripped away, as happens to us at times. But it was then that the profound recreation happened. And as I sat with that last night in the middle of this year, I thought back about all the different sermon series we've done and this thread that runs throughout. This thread that we've seen throughout 2020 of it's in the profound moments of pain and when things are stripped away that it's that the people of faith who step forward aren't just the spiritual superheroes but it's the ones who haven't had their faith dulled by cynicism. Take Moses, as we started the year, we we went through the story of Moses and talked about this profound call that he had to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. But that call came in Midian. That call came when everything that he had known in his life as as the prince of Egypt had been taken and stripped away from him. But it's in that moment that he can still go and pursue and see what a burning bush is and receive a new call from God that reshapes his life. We saw that as we journeyed into Holy Week. And we saw that in the cross, that Jesus journeys through the dark, but does so with a profound sense that even as he's dying on the cross, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's still praying. He's still praying for forgiveness for those who are persecuting him. He's still saying, into your hands I commit my spirit. As he's journeying through this, there's this this resiliency. There's there's this faith that will not let go. We saw this as we journeyed through the summer. Again, this thread that runs throughout that maybe all of you have picked up one before and it's just me that's taken some time to see this. But as we went through the book of Ephesians, that this book was written by the Apostle Paul, who had this magnificent calling on his life that he never anticipated, to be planting churches and to be writing and to be shaping people in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that wasn't a call that Paul expected. It came when he'd been knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus and heard the voice of God telling him that everything you stand for has been wrong and wicked and a disappointment. And yet in that place where the darkness caves in, Paul still has the ability to hear that God's call continues. We saw that in the the parable of the lost sheep, that how do we recognize the amazing love of God? It's when a sheep journeys through the darkness, and as that sheep is lost and vulnerable and wandering, it's there that we see what the love of God truly looks like. And it's there that we find Joseph stripped away of the life that he had planned for himself as a carpenter in Nazareth, as a righteous person with Mary and his children. And in the pain of what has been stripped away from him, he has the ability to still listen, the faith that isn't dulled to the point that he walks away and gives up. If 2020 is anything, as people of faith, maybe it's the recognition that that baton that has been passed through these different series this year is passed to us. It would be incomplete of me to just say, so let's be open to what God wants to do. But if 2020 has done anything, it has stripped so much from our lives, corporately and individually. And the first place we have to go is to say, has it dulled us? Has it weakened our faith? Has it brought about so much doubt that it's not journeying through the darkness, it's just the darkness caving in? Is there a cynicism of how this can be that we're not even raising our heads and able to look for what God's doing anymore because we're just trying to get through? So you go from one news channel to the other one telling you that joe biden's elected the president and the other saying that the the lawsuits very well could turn this thing around and we just kind of say i got to turn this off and go away from the tweets and the news and everything else as we as we continue to endure family relationships where we see these political dynamics very different in the conflict that keeps erupting in our lives and causing divisions where we just say i don't know that it's actually ever going to get any better I don't know that it ever can really change as we see this pandemic raging and as we see record numbers of deaths being set again, do we just become dull to the pain and it's just statistics that are in front of us that we need to turn off from? Can we feel the pain of the thousands of losses every day that are going on or do we just become numb to it all? So we see the economic turmoil and we know it is the church that, that what it means to be the church is, has, has changed greatly this year. But there are industries that have gone away that don't know how and if they come back or what their place is in this world and the economic fallout that is coming from that and is happening in that. And it used to be that we could cry out, how long, oh Lord, and now the cry just feels out of place. Can we raise our heads and still wait with expectation? Can we listen to the whisper of an angel in a dream? Or have we just turned off? There's a word in this passage for the kind of faith that Joseph has that doesn't turn off. And the word is described in verse 19 that John read. It said that Joseph was a righteous man. A righteous man. Now, when we hear that in the church and how we often use that, is that means that he was some spiritual superhero. He was some spiritual giant. That if people looked around in Nazareth and said, hey, if the Messiah comes, who's going to be the earthly father that is morally and spiritually right to raise this child? They would have looked at Joseph and said, Joseph's the one, he's a righteous person. But actually, the Greek word for righteous comes from the word uh, dikaiosune, And the best description of the word decaiosuna, where it's taught and explained in the New Testament, comes in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16. And the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live By faith. Paul then goes on in Romans 4 to say the embodiment of this righteousness is Abraham in the book of Genesis, who is not some morally superior individual who will be the father of many nations, but he can trust the voice of God. His faith doesn't diminish, even when things are difficult, that Joseph is righteous because he can still listen, hear, trust, believe, even as the darkness feels as though it is caving in. And as people of faith, we need to take this baton that is passed to us in this year is so much is being and has been removed and stripped away from us. And to be able to raise our heads and say, now is the time for profound recreation. Now is the moment where if we dull ourselves, we may miss the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that God might place before us. That this is the time when things are stripped away. Not that the voice of God shows up, but where we are in a point of being able to hear and listen something we could never have dreamed of before. This may be the time where God reveals to you the the whole new direction for your life you've never dreamed of. He may reveal that for for your children or your grandchildren. He may be revealing that for our society, for our nation, for our world, The, the opportunity to be a part of the new thing that God, who never leaves our side, will recreate. We need to have our heads up to wait with an advent expectation, maybe for the first time in our lives understanding the power of what it means and just not to get Christmassy, but to wait with expectation. Because now is when the call comes. And the danger is that we dull our senses to it and turn off and miss it. I don't mean this in a salesman kind of way. I mean this in a profoundly biblical way. This is when the call, the new day, the new creation begins, biblically, from the Old Testament to the New Testament to us today. Don't give in to the darkness, not because we have some inner strength, but because of the profound belief that now is the moment to look, to believe, trust in the call of God that shapes and reshapes us all and the one who will never leave our side. That maybe as people of faith, because of our great God, to hear and to embrace the words of the great Welsh poet Dylan Thomas, Friends, do not slip quietly into that good night, but rage, rage against the dying of the light. Amen.